You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Welcome to the pinnacle of wrestling entertainment, Premier Streaming Network. Join us at watchonpremier.com to unlock the ultimate wrestling experience, curated to perfection. Immerse yourself in the spectacular world of wrestling history, where classic battles and unforgettable moments are at your fingertips. Join us today and experience the epitome of curated wrestling content, because when it comes to wrestling entertainment, Premier sets the standard. Be Premier. Concerts are back at Adventureland each weekend in June, and they're free with your park admission. Come rock out to live music and take the plunge on two new rides opening soon the Dragon Falls Log Flume and Flying Viking Coaster. Save with the new two day ticket, only $34.99 per day at AdventurelandResort.com. The new Chevy Silverado HD puts you in command. Own strength with its enhanced available Duramax 6.6-liter turbo diesel V8. Own the lake with its available advanced towing technology. And own technology with an available 13.4-inch diagonal touchscreen. The new Chevy Silverado HD. Own work, own play, own life. Learn more at Chevy.com. Find new roads. Chevrolet. This is the MLW Radio Network. Welcome, everybody, to the mind of the media weekly peek into the world, according to former WWE superstar and ECW original, the Blue Meanie. We'll cover wrestling, music, movies, sports, and lots and lots of useless knowledge, all contained in the mind of the Meanie. I am your tour guide, Josh Chernoff, and he is the Blue Meanie. Meanie, what's on your mind, and why am I frozen? <laughs> and uh, welcome to the first... The second first half of the uh, little inside baseball. We had a show before the show, before the show, and uh, here we are on the. Uh, <laughs> uh, this show is like to, we're in full Spinal Tap mode right now. Oh God, you can hear me though, right? Oh, I hear you. And uh, a little inside baseball, we're. Uh, Broadcasting live for our pod squad on the Patreon. And uh, we had a little thing where, you know, we tried to have a little moment before the uh, actual recording. And everything just went full spinal tap, uh, botch mode. And now, <laughs> now we're act- and we're leaving it as it is. Yeah, I don't even, know, it, what we'll th- I don't even know what's happening it, here. How am I we'll frozen? I don't know. Uh, yeah, you're on the screen. I'm perfectly fine and you're perfectly frozen. This is a wonderful radio. Uh, <laughs> and this is why you got joined up for the Patreon at, uh, patreon.com right. slash mine and Amini. And you're back. I had to reset my camera. I don't know. Like how, I guess the camera froze. Um, man, what, what, uh, what a clusterfuck of an episode this is going to be. 
Yeah, yeah I I, uh, I wanted to share. I did a uh, an interview with MJF yesterday as we're recording this, um, and it will be if you're listening to this on Monday, go to a fight. Dot TV Monday at six o'clock Eastern time. Uh, check your clocks because we're going to be falling back, everybody. But uh, but yeah, uh, Monday six o'clock Eastern time tonight um, will be my interview with MJF. Uh, so I had this tiny little clip. That I was like, you know what? Hey, let me show the Pod Squad a little uh, Patreon exclusive. And man, it just MJF fucked up the whole thing. Um, meanwhile, I'm kind of I'm a little <laughs> bit under the weather. Uh, Meanie is uh is looking full good of, as always, but full of sniffles. You know? Yeah. Um, but might man. see me duck off camera just to uh, wipe my nose, but that's about it. But I got a sweet Luna Fashan shirt. Yeah, uh, nice for SLTs. Yeah, they uh, Dark Side of the Ring folks released this, and it to coincide with uh, the Dark Side of the Ring episode on Luna. And uh, I got one for me, one for Mrs. Meany. She got a different style. Did I? Uh, so we're not, so we're not twinsies. But uh, yeah, it's, it's an awesome shirt. I don't remember if you. Ta- I know we didn't talk about the Luna Vachon Dark Side of the Ring nah. episode. Did you talk about it with uh, Adam Bernard on an no. episode? Okay. Um, uh, I actually have not had an opportunity to watch it yet. I've seen one episode this season. I feel like. Really? Um, yeah, I just have not had the time, and I, and it's one of those things where like it's not to me. Dark Side of the Ring is not one that you, you put on in the background. Right. So like I want to. You really have to pay it. attention. Um, yeah. I am planning on actually getting a, uh, um, a one of those Roku TVs in my office. So like ahead of me, I have a wall, just a big wall that currently has a uh, a frame poster, a signed poster by uh, Stephen Page, uh, formerly of Baron nice. of but I'm going to move that poster on over to the wall to my right, and I'm going to mount a TV on the wall there because there's all this, when I'm doing this stuff for Fight with all these wrestling shows, and all, and it would be great if I had the opportunity to be completely caught up, and usually I'm just like sitting there like, oh, crap, okay, I need to watch this segment, I need to watch that segment. So I was like, well, what if while I'm sitting here and I'm doing some work, I'm doing some like editing work or whatever, I could be just watching it so I can stop and pay attention to what's going on the TV when need be. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of my, 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 uh, that's my 2022 dream, um, <laughs> to have a television in here. And, uh, and then, uh, Mike Weber over at fight has also informed me that he believes above the television, I should have like six clocks because we have a lot of things going on in different time zones. And uh. apparently in his office, he has all these clocks. Of all different, and I'm like, but I'm like, when do I need to, like, what? He's the same time zone as me. He's in Ohio. Like, that's really yeah. all that matters. <laughs> Conrad's an hour behind. Like, th- those are the only Is ones he? I feel like I really need to like. They're the only people that I would be interacting with. So you know, so yeah. Uh, I got, I got a really nice uh, clock. It's uh blue. It's it's like a black clock with blue numbers. Ah, oh. so uh, I kind of got that just just to get an idea of what day, what time of day it is. You know, so, you, know you could be laying in bed mm-hmm. or uh, here in the studio and just oh, what fuck a time is it? And you just look over. Oh, there it is. Nice big clock. Well, that's I mean, and I'm sure. Listen, your big black clock. I'm sure <laughs> is uh is is 
is something to behold. Um, but yes. No, it makes sense because you kind of your studio has also kind of become like you've got like a nice chill, relaxed area, which I do too. I have right in front of me. I have a couch, um, and I have a guitar next to that couch, and neither of them are ever used. So I just stare at them from my desk while I'm working. But um, theoretically, I would want to have a clock behind me so that when I'm over there, I can see because otherwise, I'm just here and I can see it on my computer. But you know, yeah, man, this has been a and I, I, if we have first time listeners, they're just like, man, this is everything I've ever heard. The mind of Meanie is. <laughs> How was that episode? All- they talked a lot about. Well, Meanie talked about his big black uh, and blue clock, and uh, and Josh talked about time zones. Yeah, yeah, just uh, very enthralling. But tell me episode. about the Luna Vachon. Uh, something people actually want to hear. Tell me about the Luna Vachon episode. Um, what what were your feelings on it? Because it's, you know, I, I love Dark Side of the Ring. I think they do an incredible job. Um, yeah. But they're without question a polarizing show within the industry yeah. because sometimes we feel like, you know, like they were a little, as as they say, a little too stiffsky on some things. And sometimes they, uh, every, look, every show has to have a narrative, but sometimes their narrative is so straight line that it doesn't, doesn't allow for the shades of gray of a situation. And a lot of people felt that that was, you know, the things were taken out of context in certain things. One guy will, I forget, maybe you're the one who mentioned this or somebody mentioned that, you know, somebody will laugh at a certain time having nothing to do with what they're talking about. But that laugh gets put in because it fits the narrative and it, and it works and it's an entertainment show. So Luna Vachon, you knew her, you guys were friends, correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. so so tell me, did you think it was fair? Do you think it was honest? And and what were your emotions with it? Uh, well, and, and another thing with, with when it comes to documentaries, it just takes, you know, one edit, like you said, to, to change the narrative and stuff like that. But when it comes to, uh, you know, Jason and Evan for Dark Side, I mean, they're not in the wrestling business. They don't right. have to worry about... They don't have to worry about the politics and the blowback if they say something, you know, because how's the wrestling business going to punish them? You know, if you're in the wrestling business right. and you say something, somebody could bury or, you know, you know, uh, take you off TV or, you know, they they have no restrictions because they could just tell the story. But, uh, uh, when it came to the Luna episode, it, it, it really, you know, kind of hit close because I, you know, before I even met Luna, I was a big fan of Luna and uh, low inside baseball. I had a huge crush on Luna. Really? <laughs> I don't know, well, yeah, yeah. Just like she was a badass. She fought like the guys, you know. You know, kind of. She, she, you know, she, she wore all the makeup and had the hair, but she was kind of like a tomboy, you know. You mm. figure, you know, and. Uh, you know, that's kind of why I, you know, I fell in love with Mrs. Me. She grew up with four older brothers, so it's just like hanging out with a dude, you know. But, uh, no, yeah, Luna was awesome. Um, and then I got into the business, and uh, I, the first time I met Luna was at the Philadelphia Spectrum. It was, uh, there was this fan in the Philadelphia area named Dave Bombkratz. And uh, Dave, yeah, Dave, uh, was a older gentleman, but he looked like 
a kid. We called him the 40-year-old, 12-year-old. You know, the, <laughs> uh, I, I could point him out to you, and you'd be like, oh, him. It, he, if you ever watch when uh, DX takes over Manhattan, mm-hmm. there's this uh, fellow with a ball cap and low glasses. It looks like he starts dancing with a little kid. It looks like a little kid dancing with wow. DX. That no, it's Dave, Dave Bombkratz. He was about forty years old about then. They looked like he was fifteen. <laughs> so I, 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 as I a Spectrum show, ran into him. He's like, you know, we're sitting there, and uh, he says hello to Dave Hebner, who is a you know road agent. Hi, Dave. How you doing? Hey, Dave. You know, uh, Dave, Dave, and Dave law firm. Uh, Dave says hi to Dave. He goes, hey, that uh, your seats? You want better seats? Sure. So Hebner gives my friend Dave like this uh, a pair of tickets, and we go around and we're like sitting in the press box at the Philadelphia Spectrum. Oh wow! And we walk in there, and we sit down, and there's Raven, uh, there's like Adam Bomb, and I want to say I want to say uh, Sean Waltman too. What year this would this like, have been? Was this like in '93, '94, '92? I want to say I want to say ninety two. You say Raven? Are you saying Johnny Polo? Johnny Polo was in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This is probably like ninety three or so, ninety four, ninety five, something. Like somewhere. Yeah. yeah, he was filling in on some of the tag tag matches. I forget who he's wrestling though. Hmm. Um, I'm sure I could look it up on History WWF dot com. Um, but this is around the time I was talking about going to wrestling school too, and uh, I was like. Talking to uh, Phil Slee, I was thinking about going to Malenko's, and I was like, "Oh hi, uh, Mr. Paul. I've been talking to Phil Slee because like Phyllis knew Scotty, so she's like always putting him over." And he's like, "Oh okay, yeah, I know Phyllis. You know, ah, it's a good school, and you know, he was you know Scotty, and yeah. um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a good, yeah. Yeah, it's a good school, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I know Phil Smith. Yeah. Uh, so I went and uh, sat down, watched some of the show." And then all of a sudden, you know, you know, like I said, Adam Bomb was in there. Got a photo with him. Hey, got a photo. And then there's Luna. I was like, holy shit, you know, cool. So I was like, hey, uh, Miss um, Fitzgerald, can I get a photo? Yeah, honey, you get a photo. And she like hopped up on this desk that was like in this little area, and she, you know, uh, put her arms around me. And she, like, legit almost started, like, kind of, like, choking me. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, uh, you know, Luna's sign of affection, I guess, you know. But uh, I really want to really find cool. out when this was. I'm looking up on the website right now. Do you anything else you it's, remember from that? Well, when did you start training? I think the Rock and Roll Express were on that show, too, if that helps. You know, uh, I'm sorry, what was what, what When did, did you, you start say? training? Uh, I started training the day, two days after WrestleMania 10, which was March of 94. Okay, so they were at the Spectrum in January of 94, but you think that would have been maybe too soon before training? I might, I might have been too soon because I still talk about going to Malenko's. So let's school. take a look at 93. Keep, yes. keep, keep continuing the story. I'm just in the background here. 93. Uh, I'm listening. S- Spectrum. Uh, I guess f- maybe one of the key... You found it? No, we're we're, I'm, we're going to. Oh, okay. Keyword, uh, here, oh, I think the Rock- January eighth, nineteen ninety three. We've got Virgil defeated the Brooklyn Brawler. 
Rick and Scott Steiner defeated the Executioners. Uh, Tatanka pinned Damian Demento. Uh, Bob Backlund pinned the Berserker. That was definitely not it. Okay. Um, uh, that's early Gil- so it could have been. I, I, I want to say Dwayne Gill worked Owen Hart. Okay, so Owen Hart was on the card, and Dwayne Gill was on. The, Dwayne, Dwayne Gill was one of the uh, executioners that night. So let's let's continue through the year. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, take a peek. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I didn't I mean to interrupt to... your story. I just didn't no. want you to think I was ignoring you. I, I'm doing. Uh... I want to say Dwayne Gill worked Owen Hart in a, like on one of the earlier matches of that show. So I feel like it would be later in the year because Owen Hart. That would have been when he. Uh, this would, I mean, I'm trying to think. Um, okay, we'll keep we'll keep scrolling through. So continue your story. So she's choking you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just uh, I, you know, Miss Vajon gotta get a photo. Yes, yeah, honey, let's go get a photo. So we take a photo, and um, you know, that was it. But like, that's the first time I met met Luna. And then uh, years go by, and uh, train and go off to WWE and uh, I forget what uh, I debuted in Philly, but like, I want to say we were doing a loop in upstate New York and me and her just wound up staying at the same spot. And she's like, and this is how cool Luna was. She knew I was a young kid, mm-hmm. newer to the business, even though I'd been in ECW pulls a, it goes in her pocket, hands me a thing of cash. She goes, look, I know it's your first time on the road. Uh, you know, pay me back when you can, but you know, get yourself something to eat and stuff like oh, that. Wow. Or, you know, yeah, she just gave me some money. I was like, Oh wow. That's and a, uh I feel like yeah, that's was, not something that is commonplace in the wrestling business. No, no. I I mean I wasn't like a million dollars, but it was like, here, just go get something. Yeah, to yeah, eat. Those five bucks. That that's a uh Yeah. That's a pretty awesome thing, to be honest with you. Like Look at this, yeah. like young, you know, young guy in there. Like, how many times you hear the stories of like when people are just—it's either they're ribbing somebody or there's someone's going to get heat. Or I remember this one guy who, who uh, took a first-class ticket, um, <laughs> you know. But no, like, but I—I th- I think that's really awesome. Yeah, and she's just start giving me this this wisdom, you know. Uh, make sure you get a good tax preparer. Uh, you do this, do that, you know. Save your money. And she gave me the, like, like this little lesson. We're just sitting there talking. I was like, oh, this is pretty fucking cool. That's really you know? cool. Yeah. So, you know, and, you know, throughout the year, you know, I was there for two years. And we, we would just hang out. And, uh, you know, we're you're at TV. You got to be there at one. So you're just, even if you're not doing anything, you got to be there at one. So we'd been catering. And uh, I, at this time, around the time I got bored, I started painting my fingernails blue. <laughs> and uh, she's like, here, give me that. And, you know, Luna would sit there and paint my fingernails for That's me. That's amazing. So, and uh, it, was, it was such a cool thing that, like, I refused to, like, you know, take those that take that nail polish off because I wanted, you know, that was the, the, yeah. Luna, layer, the Luna layer of finger paint nail polish. <laughs> I would just paint over that. But, uh, yeah, the, the dark side uh, – episode uh talked about a lot of things i i, I kind of knew but di- and stuff i didn't know like i knew her you know shoot name was uh she hated it was uh gertrude mm. uh and uh yeah, i learned not, that that's out not a, that's not a great one 
to be honest. Uh, <laughs> that's not a, no. that's not a great one. I learned that. Uh, here's another thing. I, I think I was on her last show ever in uh, Cleveland for Cleveland All Pro. Uh, Joe Dombrowski just put the uh, put out a match between Luna and Jessica Havoc from mm. Cleveland All Pro, which I was Cleveland All Pro champion at that time. And uh, he said that it was her last show. So if I was on her last show ever, that's even more special, you know, just knowing, you know, everything. But, uh, you know, we're sitting there, and uh, her and Mrs. Meany just hit it off, and she's like, yeah. And, you know, Tracy brought up that she, you know, she's from Connecticut. She's like, and she named this school she went to, and Tracy's like, oh, I went to that school too. And she's like, yeah, and, and somehow it came up, yeah, my name's Gertrude. So she was all like, oh, yeah, I'm Gertrude. Uh, but, yeah, I learned that and uh, talked about that on the show. But I didn't know she trained with Mula. I didn't know she was wow. uh, one of Mula's girls, so to speak. Uh, but uh, where was I? Because I'm, I'm still trying to think of what that, that date on that show. So I'm looking, and I'm looking in 93 here, and there was one. It was Owen Hart versus Terry Taylor. That wouldn't have been it. No. So I'm still going through. I'm, I'm, I'm around June of 93 at this point. Because Luna debuted for the WWF at uh, WrestleMania 9. Right. So that would have been um, in April of 9. Uh, well, April. Hmm. April of 93. Yeah. April of 93 so maybe, would have been WrestleMania 9. So maybe it was like a September, October? Yeah, so that's where I'm kind of going through, just seeing where... I, I got to tell you, WWE was in Philly so frequently when I was a kid, and I did not go nearly enough. Right. Well, when I was a kid, I was spoiled. I was watching on, on, on Prism, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of why they stopped showing it on Prism because people were like, fuck it, why go watch it live when you can just watch it on TV the next morning? Well, Prism is how yeah. I ended up getting, the first time I ever went backstage was uh, a friend of mine's dad um, worked for Prism. Nice. And that's when we went backstage. That's when I, I met the uh, one of the Beverly brothers and uh, The Undertaker and Paul Bear. And I remember The Undertaker was, he had the duck under the, the door frame. It's crazy. Um, let's see. We got Philadelphia Spectrum, July 16th, 1993. Sensational Sherry versus Luna Vachon did not take place as scheduled, it says. So, okay. Ah, son of a bitch. Which could explain why she was hanging out, right, if it didn't take place. But I'm not yeah. seeing. I'm seeing Shawn Michaels versus Mr. Perfect. Bret Hart and Yokozuna. Um. Smoking Guns defeated Afa and Samu. Afa was substituting for Fatu. I didn't know Afa was still working back in uh, 93. Man, I would love to see that. I'm not seeing uh, Owen Hart on the card, though. Let's keep digging. uh, I'm trying to think. One, two, three, kid, maybe. Maybe it was one, two, three, kid against Adam Bomb. Was on that show too because they did that fucking awesome spot where kid was on his back and had a bomb grabbed him by the throat and just picked him up and fucking lifted him up over his fucking head by his throat. We're gonna find it. Um, by hooker, by crook. Meanwhile, James Sorensen 
uh, writes, well, I'm not going to say this out loud, so I'll just put this on here for you to read, Nene. Um. <laughs> oh, nah, we're good. But no, he, uh, no, hold, okay, hold on. He, uh, he corrected himself and then rewrote it. <laughs> um, okay. Um, oh, we're getting, we're getting closer because I'm seeing Dwayne Gill wrestling people, uh, yeah. as Dwayne Gill. So hold on. Here we go. We're getting there. I feel like it's, uh, any second now. We're going to find it. Any second now. All right. Maybe not any second now. Um, but did you think that it was a fair... Uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the Luna episode of Dark Side of the Ring, you know, what's fair, you know, when you're, if, you're, if you're telling the truth? Especially, you know, they had her, her son on there. Well, that's the thing. Do you think they were telling an honest truth that, like, you know... I, well, there's a lot of stuff I wasn't there for, so there's a lot of stuff, you know... Was it honest? Is it it's, it's as honest as you know, uh, you know, a documentary, docu, documentarian yeah. can be? Uh, and then, you know, there's a lot of stuff that was out there, you know, that was known, and a lot of stuff I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know she had kids. You know, I didn't know yeah. she had a son. And her son Van was on um, one of those um, Hell's Kitchen shows. He's like a, a renowned chef now which is pretty oh, cool wow. but cool. uh you know it just uh no a lot of stuff i didn't know with the especially you know uh you know how she felt well i kind of knew she how she you know felt you know she did a lot of things for the wwe and didn't feel as appreciated that's the, the terminology i'm about she didn't feel as appreciated for a lot of stuff she did especially when it came to you know, working, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, she was in the era, too, where they weren't really emphasizing women's wrestling. Right. You know? And then, uh, you know, she went away for a little bit, came back, and uh, that's when they were doing the, uh, you know, the puppies era, where it was, like, nightgown matches and this, that, and the other thing, and she's working with, you know, Sable, making Sable look like a million bucks. And there was one sure, moment where she had a match. WrestleMania, man. Yeah, what wasn't that her and, and Sable at WrestleMania? Well, it was like the, you know. Yeah, there was like a, a WrestleMania where you know she made Sable look like a million bucks, mm-hmm. and they come back to the locker room, and there's like a round of applause, and she thought she was getting like her due, mm-hmm. like you know some respect, and it turns out they were cheering for Sable, who was like right behind her. Yeah, you know, so it was like a constant like feeling like the. Uh, you know, the, what's this saying? The redheaded stepchild, you know, just feeling yeah. like underappreciated, you know. Uh, one of the, the spoiler, uh, one of the um, stories I hadn't known, uh, Medusa was on the episode when she was uh, Alondra Blaze. And there was like some show and she's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm just going to put the title on you. <laughs> she was just going to, uh, you know, it was, it, I mean, Basically, there was Bull Nakano, Alondra Blaze, and Luna Vachon, you know, were, like, the main wrestler, the only women, and unfortunately, the only women in the women's division at the time. And, you know, you know, Medusa was like, fuck it. I'm just going to put the belt on you. And, you know, just to, you know, give, uh, you know, Luna some, you know, respect, some mm-hmm. due. 
And uh, did you she? Know, it was it was to the point where Luna, I mean, uh, Medusa was laying on her back, and she's like, "I'm not kicking out. I'm not kicking out." And you know, Luna refused to let her put the <laughs> put the belt on her. You know, this Luna was that old school that you know if the she wanted the office to recognize her as champion, not some hot shot thing where they just go into business for themselves right. and put the belt on Luna because Luna had that much respect for the business. So for the record, if I can interrupt for a second, I found it. Okay. Uh, interestingly, uh, November 20th, 1993. Okay. So 20, almost 28 years ago. Wow. Uh, is when you met Luna Vachon. Uh, nice. It was uh, to a crowd of 6,800 people uh, at the Philadelphia Spectrum. The Head Shrinkers defeated Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Champions Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson in a non-title match. Adam Bomb defeated the 1-2-3 Kid. Yep. Lex Luger defeated Ludwig Borga. Rick and Scott Steiner defeated Johnny Polo, who was subbing for Pierre. Uh, okay. And teaming with uh, uh, Jacques Rougeau. Um, the Mountie. Yes. Doink the Clown defeated Iron Mike Sharp. Owen Hart. Ah. Owen Hart defeated Dwayne Gill. Yep. And in a steel cage main event, Bret Hart uh, was supposed I... to face Jerry Lawler. However, substituting for Jerry Lawler, a young man named Shawn Michaels. So Bret Hart defeated Shawn Michaels in a steel cage match in the main event. Man, wish I was at that show. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Yeah, yeah that's weird because I, I don't even remember that part. I, I rem- It's weird. I remember Dwayne Gill, but I don't remember Shawn Michaels subbing in the Owen cage Hart for- defeated Dwayne Gill right. You know what? You probably were like, Owen Hart versus Dwayne Gill. You're like, dude, I'm out of here after that. I don't care what the, <laughs> I don't care what the main event is. It's not topping this. Well, no, I was like, I, I totally wasn't skipping because I was like, man, when, when's the next time I'm going to be in a press box at the fucking Spectrum? Yeah. You know? So what so would that, happen that, is, so the talent would pretty much, would they just go up there to hang out, or was there something going on, like a meet and greet that, type thing, like a hang with nah, the talent? It was kind of like a, a, a crow's nest kind of thing, like at, at the ECW Arena where you had to, you know, you could go out and kind of hide and watch the show, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it was a press box, you know, I'm assuming, you know, uh, members of the press would go to for like Sixers games or Flyers games. So it was this thing that was completely open not being used for a WWE show. So they would, you know, I guess if you were a, a VIP or, you know, whatever, you know, they would give you these tickets and you go in there and, and just hang out. So I was just sitting there like at a row, of, like a, like a, like a desk, like straight crossed just sitting there. And then to my right was Johnny Polo wow. and me and Dave Bombkratz. <laughs> uh, I should note that two days later, Jerry yes. Lawler pleaded not guilty to tar- charges of statutory rape, sodomy, and harassing a witness in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, he was freed pending a $1,000 bond. The sex charges stemmed from an alleged incident involving a 13-year-old girl. On June 6th and 7th, the additional charges stemmed from an alleged October 4th incident regarding the sex charges. Now, it is very important that we mention uh, he, he was never found guilty for any of these things, to my knowledge. Correct correct um but 
it seems as though Jerry Lawler had to back out of that main event because he was uh, I, I possibly in jail. Oh. Uh, two days earlier, because it says two days later that he was freed pending a $1,000 bond. Uh, so he was at least, if not in prison, he was dealing with some shit. Um, yeah. And they probably thought, maybe now is not the best time to have you in the main event. Um, yeah. So that's what uh, that's what he was up to back then. Yeah, and that's the funny thing about time, right? And I, I mean this seriously. You look back on that time, and you look back at that so fondly. And it's like, those are the good old days, right? Oh, my God. Those were not the good old yeah. days for Jerry Lawler. No. Nah. So it's like, uh, you know, Jerry Lawler would choose whatever he's doing today, I think, over whatever he was doing on November 20th of 1993. For me, just, uh, it was just, you know, uh, it was the, I was on right on the cusp of being, um, you know, responsible <laughs> you know uh when was that you said that was november 20th 1993 so you were 20 years old yeah i was right out of high school uh i grad i you know i was held back twice for absenteeism as a kid because of my asthma so i missed too many days you know so uh i was 20 when i graduated unfortunately i was 20 when i graduated so uh, I was I, I was working at the casinos around that time, saving oh. my money to go to wrestling school. So that was I'm sorry again. What was that? November November twentieth, nineteen ninety three. So within a couple months, maybe November, December, January, February. Within th- three to four months is when I said, "Fuck it, I'm going to wrestling school." So I'd already is, paid for the. I already it. paid. This is kind of yeah, like pay- the, the end of your, your uh, I shouldn't say end of your yeah. fandom, but end of you just being a fan of wrestling. As Don Henley would say, it was the end of the innocence. Uh, you know, yeah. Oh, I remember hearing, we've talked about this on the show before. I think it's come up once before, but I remember hearing a, uh, Brian Myers say something once about how, like, before he tagged into his first pro match, his tag match, and he, I forget who he was on the apron with. But they're like, this is your first match, right? And he's like, yeah. He's like, never going to see the business the same way again. And he's like, tags in. And it's and he said, he's like, never did. Never saw it the same way again. Not at a, I mean, not bad. I know he loves the business. He, you know, but, but it's true. There's that, the, the moment you get in, whether it's your first bump at wrestling school, your first match, your first, whatever it is, yeah. there's something around that time that you just can never see the business again. And that's a, you know, for some people, that's really tough. Like, I know for me, I was left after things didn't work out for me as a wrestler. There was a level of bitterness that I didn't realize until years later that I was carrying this bitterness. Um, right. Towards the politics, towards the, you know, the the fact that I had a bitterness of the fact that, like, I'd be busting my ass uh, working really hard and then a, a, a six-foot-two, you know, gassed-up guy would walk in and all the heads would turn. And I'm like... Hey, over here working, you know, like kind of like trying yeah. and, and like, so there's all this bitterness. And then what I realized was that made me, when I went back to being just a fan, I like couldn't be a fan. I couldn't, I couldn't enjoy a character without thinking about, well, what's that guy like backstage? 
Is he an asshole backstage? Is he a good guy, is he a good guy backstage? Because if he's a good guy, then I don't care if he's a heel or a baby face. I'm rooting for him. But if he's an asshole, I don't care if you're saying he's the greatest baby face, you know, of all time. Like, I can't get behind him. And, like, eventually that's what led to me going, uh, saying to my wife, like, you know what? When I started listening to Something to Wrestle, and it started reminding me of the good old days for me as a fan. And yeah. I said to my wife, I'm like, hey, you know, they're coming live to, uh, to Philly. I'm thinking I'm going to get some tickets to that. I'm going to get some tickets to Raw and SmackDown. I'm like, you know what? I've been out of the business for like a decade. I'd love to just go back to being a fan and just drop all the bitterness, drop the whatever, and just enjoy the business yeah. that I loved for so long. And then six months later, I was sitting in Bill Apter's basement doing a show with him. So it, uh, and I found my <laughs> way back into the business. And now I love it. I see it for what it is, but, I, but I'm so glad that I had that, that opportunity to drop the bitterness. But, but it's true. But, you know, I took a little side road there. But for you, I mean, that's really a monumental moment. You, you kind of, you're 100% a fan, never been in a ring, yeah. never, never worked, never trained. But you're getting like this taste of sitting in yeah. this crow's nest, so to speak, with all of this talent, especially in there with Johnny Polo, who would go on to be Raven, who would go on to be such an instrumental part of your career. It's really fascinating. Yeah, yeah it'd be like one of those, uh, it's like one of those sliding door moments. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, what if I had not gone to that show or, you know, what if I had not seen Dave Bombkratz? And, you yeah. Know, the Dave's a good that guy. He, I went on a, a lot of Memphis trips with him with uh, Joel Goodhart, so we we're pals. And then uh, you know, just you know, what what if Hebner had not seen him? Yeah, you know, yeah, I would not, I wouldn't have had a chance to you know sit there and talk to uh, you know Scotty, you know Johnny Polo. Now, did or, he remember uh, meet, meet, you from that meeting or no? I doubt. I don't, I don't even think I've brought it up. You know, because there's those things, you know, once you get in the business, his mouth closed, ears open. And, uh, well, the last thing you're going to do, thing. you see him in a locker room and you go, hey, remember that time I was at the show at the Spectrum and, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> we hung out up in the, uh, and he'd be like, all right, kid. So. Yeah. I'm sure I could bring it up now, maybe. Oh, yeah. he probably He probably still wouldn't remember. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, and once you get in the business, it's. You totally see the business. You can't look at wrestling the same way ever again. Yeah. Just before the fact that uh, I used to joke, I, I I would read the new, I used to read the newsletters till I got in the business. And <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, uh, me and Al would be on car rides, and I'd be like, I'd bring say, oh, this is how things work, right? And I I don't even know remember what I would say. He would just laugh and go, no, it's, <laughs> it's not like that at all. So. You, you definitely see things in a different light. And, uh, you know, yeah, that was the end of the innocence, you know, that, that show right there, because four months later I'm walking to work one night with my mom. She was working at one casino. I was working at another, but we caught the same shuttle bus. And I was like, you know what? I remember the corner I was standing on too. I was like, I'm going into work tonight. I'm giving my two weeks notice. I'm going to, going to rest of school. But uh, I'm going to stick around long enough to watch WrestleMania 10 now. I'll leave the next morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll watch it on yeah, uh, your dime. Hey, you know what? That yeah, was, yeah. that was you were studying. Yeah. So, and when they had a little going away party for me. You oh, know, it was pretty cool. cool. Yeah, all the, you know, 
cousins and all came over to see me off. And the next morning I uh, packed up my car, left with like that, please beg me to stay. I'm yeah. leaving. I'm really going. And I'm like halfway between Atlantic City and uh, Philly. And I'm just looking for reasons to turn around. I'm like, no, I got to do this. I got to do this. Uh, I'm like, is that smoke coming out of my car? No, it's just exhaust, <laughs> idiot. It's it's cold. And there's steam. Uh, I pull over. I go, there's smoke coming out. And they're like, it's your exhaust. Just keep driving. Wow. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'll be there in three hours. You know, 13 hours later. I, <laughs> I'm young and dumb and don't realize how long Pennsylvania is. Wow. You know? And they're, hey, you know, we weren't putting driving. in your GPS back then. No, uh, I had to go to AAA and get a triptych, which was just basically a flip book of, and you had to go on somebody else's, you know, instructions, you mm-hmm. know, you just instead of figuring it out on your own, you know, but then, you know, get in the business and you learn how, you know, they say don't text and drive. In the 90s, uh, it should have been don't map and drive because yeah. you got the map on your fucking, <laughs> on, your da- on your steering wheel and you're steering and you're looking up, steering, looking up and. Dude, I wouldn't trade those days for anything. Just to just to the drive out to wrestling school for the first time, being in a place I've never been, the furthest I've ever been away from home. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought I was going to Mars the first time I drove to New York City. You know, <laughs> now it, that's an hour and a half drive. Now I could do that with my eyes closed. But you know, when you're a teenager, you know that's like forever. Here I am driving to fucking Ohio. Holy shit! Yeah. Might as well just. Um, I'm like an astronaut going to Mars, dude. It's just like <laughs> you get it's, there, and you know, it's it. That was those those were my college years. Was you know going to out school and um, learning how to be around other people and make new friends and new experiences, and you know, get in the ring and take that first bump. Mm. <laughs> you know, that first day I almost quit. You know, just because you know <laughs> I, I kept jam. You know, I would you know flip over and. Standing, set my feet landing flat, I would, you know, my heels would hit and I would get like, like shin splints and stuff like that. I'd roll out a ring and now I would have to go, okay, take a breath, get some water and talk me back into the ring. And, you know, and that was it. You know, I, it just such a magical moment that from 93 to, you know, my last year of high school, all the way up to, you know, going to wrestling school. No, I, I wouldn't trade that, that year for anything. I think that it's one of those things where, I mean, you were successful, but you were going to be successful whether you, whether you ended up being successful or not because you tried. Like, I'm a firm believer in that, that, like, yeah. the only way you could have failed would have been if you didn't try. And yeah. it took me, like, I was talking about my, like, bitterness towards things years ago. It took me a long time and, and a lot of like growing up to realize that like, no man, the, the fact that I didn't, you know, get signed by the WWE, that wasn't failure. I succeeded because my goal was to go and try and be a wrestler. And I succeeded in going to try and be a wrestler. You know, I got yeah. to, I have memories of working people that, you know, I'm so glad that I have those memories and the times in the, more than anything, the time in the car, the time, it, you know, um, so, the yeah, time man. in a car is the best. Yep. I mean, that's really, that's, we've talked about it before, but like, uh, you know, we would go twice a week, sometimes three times a week in OVW for training. And I trained at the Wild Samoan Training Center beforehand and everything. Everything I learned was either 
in the car talking with like Stu and Drew or more than anything at the live events that I wasn't wrestling when I just sat next to Al. That yeah. was that was my whole education was like just when I would sit next to him and he would just talk throughout the entire show and I'd be watching and he would be pretty much just saying, here's why you don't want to do that. And then ask me a question. Why did he do that? Do you, why shouldn't he have done that? What like, and it's, I mean, which was definitely at times like I'm sitting there going, uh, any word out of my mouth is gonna, like, I'm going to tell Al Snow why, you know, it's like, tell me why he should have done this. And I'm like, I don't know. You tell me why he should have done this, you know? But I would, but he would get me thinking, and and it was just, man, I wouldn't trade the those moments for anything. Um, I wish I still had those training tapes, man. There's stuff I did training that I I wouldn't, I don't, I never did ever again, mm-hmm. you know, because it just if like Al giving me a fucking backdrop where I, it looked like I was going out of camera frame and shit like that, but you know, he he talked me into doing things I'd never thought I could do, especially taking a backdrop, you know. Yeah, I, I tried doing an ECW once, and it was like the worst decision <laughs> in my life. You know, I was like, I'm never doing that again. You know, I remember but, the uh, backdrop. I thought to myself, I'm like, I was thinking like a Christian backdrop. You know, like how he gets. I mean, Christian Cage, man, the height and hang time. Yeah, and I'm like thinking to myself, like one of those. I'm just like, you know, not the biggest guy, but this is where I'm going to. This is where I'm going to excel. Because I can launch myself up there. I can do these things. Dude, the moment I went up for that backdrop, that was the scariest fucking thing in the world. I'm it like is. up there. And you could just go, you go up head first. And then, to, you know, like the biggest mistake is if you, if you go like lead with your feet the first time, like you want to go up and then over. Man, yeah, I thought I was gonna break my neck on the way on the way down. I was like, maybe I should just stay on the mat. But yeah, you want to go straight up it because you don't want to barrel over the guy who's yep. basically your your post. Yeah, yeah, the guy's posting for you. Yeah, so if you go straight up and then he sends you back. You'll be yeah. up and be able to get height. Otherwise, you're gonna flip but over. Al had feet. Al had me at such a height. He said it was such a good backdrop that I turned around and watched the rest of the fall. <laughs> you know, he <laughs> got me awesome. up that like like I was like up 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 up, and then you know last second tuck your chin, mm-hmm. and he said he could turn around and he watched you know me come down the rest of the way. He's like, dude, that was fucking great. I was like, yeah, I probably never ever do that ever again. But uh, <laughs> well, hey, you know, but, we- yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. Go. No, 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 no. I, I, no, I was just going to put the cherry on top and say, like I've said a million times before, those are memories I will never, I, I mean, if if I could put those feelings in a bottle, that would just be like any kind of movie you see. Those coming of, those young coming of age movies will, you know, stand by me where they're all going off to, you know, walking down a train track, just singing songs, not having a care in the world. You know, they don't have a bill on their name yet yep. or they don't have a responsibility. You know, it wasn't until, like, I finally, you know, started working at casinos and went off to wrestling. You know, I worked at a casino and I was, you know, I was responsible for a little bit. You know, I was putting half in the sock drawer and half towards the uh, the bills. But then uh, once I left, I went off to wrestling school. That was just like a coming-of-age coming moment where, you know, I, I kind of had to learn how to be self-reliant 
you know, fly away from the nest. Well, speaking of coming, the, <laughs> the holidays are coming early, Nini. Ho, 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 gentlemen. The holidays came early here at Manscaped. The leading men's hygiene brand, Manscaped, just launched new products, including their all-new ultra-premium body wash and a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. It is time to give yourself or someone who needs it the gift of beautiful skin, hair, and balls this holiday season. Go to manscaped.com and use the code MEANY20 for 20% off plus free shipping. Jingle balls to the walls, fellas. Listen up. Untrimmed pubes are a thing of the past, and it's possible you have Santa's beard in your pants. It's time to leave your significant other some cookies and milk at the bottom of your chimney. I am talking about the Manscaped Performance (laughs) Package 4.0. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the signature lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology to reduce cuts on your nuts. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. It's like a gift to your partner with less mess. Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant, moisturizer, and toner. It's time to keep your North Pole feeling and smelling fresh. This hygiene bundle will also come with a pair of Manscaped anti-chafing boxers that'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day. The perfect package for your perfect package. Manscaped is going beyond the groin with their new ultra premium body wash. It's infused with aloe vera and sea salt to keep your skin feeling clean, nice and moisturized. They also just launched their new two-in-one shampoo and conditioner, which has key ingredients with benefits that include hydrating, nourishing, conditioning the scalp and strengthening your hair at the same time. Tis the season to load up on Manscaped products. So get yourself, your dad, your brother, and friends the best gift of all, the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code MEANY20 at manscaped.com. Every guy out there needs to add Manscaped to their wish list this season. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code MEANY20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code MEANY20. Clean up your nuts. Make Santa proud this year. Oh, ho, ho. Excellent. <laughs> uh, thank you, Manscaped. We appreciate the uh, Absolutely, sponsorship. Uh, as always, the, the partnership that we have here with Manscaped.com. Um, and we hope that that will... Uh, we hope that that will continue on for many, many, many years to come. Now, yes, uh, Sorensen says I used promo code Meany Twenty, and it's been amazing. Love Manscaped; it's amazing. Use it to keep your candy cane smelling amazing. Well, that took a turn, Sorensen, but I, you know what? I agree. I agree. As much as I don't want to talk about your candy cane, I agree. Uh, he also says, "Listen to you guys." I always feel more enlightened about life and love your stories in wrestling. Oh, that's Thank awesome, you. man. Um, God hey, knows I've got them. You got stories. Dude, you should do a podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah hey, that's... you have stories and people have questions. You want to do Ask Me Any? I would love to. It's time to ask me anything. Ask me something. All right. 
Let's uh, <laughs> let's do this thing. Um, Hi, I'm TV Steve Allen. Let's do this. <laughs> um, all right. Hashtag Ask Meanie. That's how you do it. Uh, and we're going to kick things off here. With Andy Slichter, can we discuss the complete failure of the WWE and their gross misuse of talent that unfortunately got released? Hashtag Ask Meanie. Meanie. Oh, man. Again, we've talked about this. Uh, I, I, how is WWE not preparing to sell? You know, just it's insane. They have to uh, be. So much good talent. Uh, dude, 18 guys or 18 folks. Mm-hmm. There's some women in there. Um, you know, That's released. talent. That's 18 a- talent. That's not talking about all the people that were released in the office. That was that's a, that's a full card, mm-hmm. you know. And it makes you think, you know, how many people, you know, because there was that initial after WrestleMania release, then there's more releases, and now eighteen over the weekend. You now it's just, you know, this you know people you know accused them of hoarding talent, but yeah, that, that's there's so many talented people there that you could do. You could run a town, or you could do a loop with, you know. Yeah. You, know, you could run a so, a shows, b shows, c shows, d shows with all the talent they had. It's just a, uh, I don't know what the the thought process is, but uh, I said on Twitter the other night, that there's got to be like some some kind of book written about this era. Oh of, yeah, of the. You know, the COVID era of wrestling and coinciding with all the releases and somebody's gotta find out something. Though to, to, to the whys the 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 how and the why that all these people are just being let go. You make a great Especially point. Especially when they were Yeah. You make a great point because this is this is absolutely an era that one day people are going to look back on and go, Holy crap, what a what a fascinating time. Uh and yeah. I mean that in the best and worst ways. Um, but really a fascinating time. Um, who who most uh, who was most shocking to you as far as releases? On this this batch? Yeah. Keith Lee. Uh I mean he he was he had so much potential and so so much upside. You know, the way, you know, fucking Brock Lesnar fucking sold for him at the Rumble, you know? You know do you think it had anything to do with his health? There'd been a lot of talk that he maybe is still feeling the effects from uh, from his battle with COVID because that was very serious. Apparently, uh, he I was, was unaware. Oh, so he had said. Remember, he like disappeared for a while. You know, he's up right. in the main roster and they disappeared. Um, he eventually came out and said that he he pretty much he he got COVID and it was a it, it got bad. It got like to a bad situation and the word. Rumor and innuendo, I think, as our friends uh, like to say, um, yeah. was that he he you know was still feeling the effects. Um, I mean, people w- we've seen now a year and a half later, people still feeling effects from COVID. And you talk about an athlete. Um, I mean, you're a guy who knows the struggles of having you know of, of being asthmatic and and have, you know mm-hmm. issues yeah. that you had with your lung. So I mean, I can only imagine. That this is not like, uh, you know, look, this isn't recovering from an injury. This isn't recovering from, you know, what's he going to do if he's having effects from from COVID? And again, that is speculation based on what people are speculating. But 
maybe right. that played a role in it where they could look. I would, I would say maybe they looked at it and said, okay, I don't know that our upside, that the upside potential of Keith Lee is what we thought it was at this time. But I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think any of these releases had anything to do with who it was. What, like, I, I don't understand. And you look at, I'll tell you the one that was most shocking to me was Carrion Cross or Killer Cross as he's back to being. Yeah. And the yeah. reason it was most shocking was, and people can point to and go, well, they ruined him. They put the, the fucking helmet on him and they, you know, did the things. And, and yeah, to an extent, yes, they took Scarlet away from him. They, they, they were just like, what works? Okay, remove all of that, right? right. Like, that was what they right. did. But WWE also, they've had more hits than they've had misses. And I think that, you know, you never know what could have come from that. What's shocking to me is while they're very much like, oh, we don't want any of the indie guys. We don't want whatever. I, there's no, we don't want the indie guy. Like, Killer Cross is a guy who, like, yeah, he was in the indies, made a name for himself, but he was a big dude. He yeah. was a big guy, you know? And big I, guy. I think that he, he looked like everything the WWE would want. Um. So I don't know. I I I'm, I'm I found it surprising um, that they would release him and release Scarlet without um, giving the opportunity for that act on the main roster. Right. Just to at least you know give it be a you know what's the word battle test it mm -hmm. you know put put it out in front of the people and let the people decide if it's going to work or not. You know, again, there are so many people on that list. I, I forgot that he was one of the, the folks released as well. Yeah. But, it's pretty, um, pretty incredible. Um, it it kind of. Yeah, they, 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 they brought him up to the main roster, and then he's on main event. It's like. And it's like, it's like, are they just throwing things? No, they, they put the shows on the wall and just throw darts at him. Okay, Karen Cross goes to. Here, you know, that's what it feels like, and I, I want to imagine that it's not like I, I, I don't. So I don't believe I did an interview with Eric Bischoff uh, about six months ago, and I didn't look. I'm not. I don't do these like hard hitting interviews where I, you know, I, I hit him with these gotcha questions and crap, you know. But he said something on there that I, I did not believe, and. If I were closer with him, if I were, say, a James Sorensen, and he was, like, my best friend, <laughs> I would feel more comfortable uh, pressing him about it. But when I said to him, I said, it, it sometimes feels like people just in the creative department there just say, you know what, it, we know this isn't going to be great, no one's going to like it, but whatever, just send it out. That's It's good enough. We just need to fill the show. And he was adamant that, like, I have never seen that I've never heard that I've never and I gotta be honest with you I don't believe him I'm not saying he's a lot let me rephrase I'm not saying he's a liar and I'm not saying I don't believe him I'm saying I don't believe that that doesn't happen right uh if he tells me that he's never seen it I believe he's never seen it. if he tells me he's never thought it I believe he's never thought it but I can't imagine it doesn't happen because there is too much stuff that goes out on WWE TV that the people who are writing it are too talented to have thought it was a good idea and anything other than, well, we just need filler. All right. That's my opinion on it. Um, 
But I just, I don't know. I don't know. With, with some of these things, the, the draft, you know, which I think is beyond stupid. The yeah. whole, they don't, look, they don't need a draft anymore. We talked about this before, I think. They don't need a draft because they have competition now. Right. So They have AEW to compete against. Yep. So why not put all your forces together? I can see maybe doing it to, you know, just so you're not wasting, you know, matchups, you know, keep people apart on different shows. How about know, just so they're not, not facing each other too, too early. How about some uh, enhancement talent? And it doesn't have to be the jobber back in the day. Guy gets beaten five seconds. I like something I love that AEW does is that, you know, they'll have matches where clearly they're putting over. What was the, uh, the LSG? Uh, I can't remember who his partner was, who then I believe signed with AEW. Um, against uh, FTR uh, in Philly. Mar- Mar- Moriarty. Yeah, and so I look at that. That's an enhance. That, to me, is a modern-day enhancement match. But it was a damn good match. Enhancement match doesn't have to be the guys come in, boom, 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 hit their finish, and, you know, it's just yeah. a showcase. I, yeah. I you know, because then again, I mean, that doesn't work nowadays. It's like you got this other athlete from somewhere else. There's... There's a lot they can do, but I'll go to Shackleford has a, uh, to keep it moving here. Shackleford has a question. Uh, Meanie, if you were a huge corporation that does buy WWE, who do you hire and put in place to run WWE moving forward? Oh, man. Like I said, I, everybody's got their opinions where they're going. I, I think Amazon would buy them up because you're buying something that you can automatically sell the products of and you got your streaming service and once the deal with NBC dies down, they could probably take that over. Uh, man, does it have to be, uh, well, I guess it would have to be, I was going to say anybody in history. Um, Sam Mushnick. Yes, Sam Mushnick. There's a, oh my God, what's his name? Oh, I was about to put somebody over to it and the name escaped me. They had a better Uh, name. (laughs) I, I think, do you agree? My assessment would be you have to take people from WWE currently. You have to take a Triple H. You have to take a Vince McMahon. You have to take a a Bruce Pritchard and these people. And you have to initially keep them on, you know, at least in a transition. I would definitely... Dude, I would definitely keep Triple H and Sean. I mean, I loved what they were doing with NXT before they went 2.0. Yeah. You know? And, and in my opinion, before everything that happened, uh, you know, I, 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 was, I, was, I saw NXT as Vince's test for Triple H to eventually take over WWE. You know, where when Vince first started, his father gave him a, a small town up in New England. You know, here's your town. Run it. See how you do, and then eventually grow into Vince. Bought the company from uh, his father, and then um, you know, I thought I thought you know Vince was doing with Triple H what his own father did with himself. Which I'm surprised. I don't know why Shane's not in the equation. Maybe Shane doesn't want to be yeah, a part I don't of know the that equation. He wants to be Who part knows? of it? You know. Yeah. You know, you, you automatically assume Shane would want to be a part of it. Uh, Shane's got a good head for the business. But, uh, 
Definitely. If, if I, I was going to, you know, be this company absorbing WWE, I would definitely keep Triple H and um, Triple H and Sean on because I love what they, mm-hmm. what they were doing with NXT. I think a problem uh, with NXT 2.0 is the same problem with NXT uh, towards the end. Yeah, you could look at it and say, "Oh, NXT, they, you know, they weren't as good at being like an alternative brand because they lost to AEW in ratings and all that." Here's the thing. NXT, I think unfortunately was too WWE, and I think now NXT is just all WWE. And I I think what made NXT unique was that it didn't have that that McMahon fingerprint in the same way. You know, um but I think Triple I H definitely wa- took it a little too. I mean, by the end of it, they're with their like weird, like metal gothic uh, <laughs> decor and like whatever. It was like he tried to like really take it, I think, too far in the direction of like this underground type of, you know, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. It, it just maybe I think that's where WWE looked at it and said, no, we need to be brighter. We need to be more fun. We need to, you know, I don't know. I, I tried watching 2.0, and it's, it's going to take some uh, getting used to. Just, uh, I love this the way the set looks and everything like that, but yeah, it's it's different. It's, it's going to take some uh, time to get used to. Uh, Sorensen writes, Josh, who, when, and where was your first match in the business? Um, that's a tough one to really say because it depends on. So, as we talked about before, I ran the, the Teenage Wrestling Foundation when I was 15. I wrestled in a ring in front of people who paid money, but do I really consider that my first pro match? Not really. I hadn't trained. I hadn't, you know. Um, I guess my first pro match would have to be against a friend of mine, and it shouldn't have been against a friend of mine. It should have been against somebody else. Uh, but it wasn't supposed to be against, it was against a, a lukewarm John Brody. Um, and it wasn't supposed to be against him. We were supposed to be teaming in a tag match, uh, which would have been way better in my opinion, because Brody did not have real proper training. And I was in my first pro match leading somebody who had less experience than me. And that is never a recipe for success. Um, but they changed things, went from a tag match to one-on-one and then went from, you know, like eight minutes to like four minutes or something like that. And like, it, it, it was, it was a cluster. Um, but I want to say it was, uh, I think that was about 20 years ago this month. If I, if I remember correctly, um, it was two, uh, yeah, I want to say it was about 20, 20 or 21 years ago this month. Um, and it was for the P WF, uh, Steve Carino's promotion. Um, and okay. it was at the, uh, uh, the Warrington skating rink, which is now like a, uh, like an outdoor furniture store or something. Um, and I remember the referee for the life of me. I can't remember for me. I think I wrestled there. What's that? I think I, I think I wrestled Steve on one of his shows there. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was a, it was a unique it was an interesting, yeah, you, like, changed over where, like, because I used to go there as a kid, like, on rainy days at camp. Like, we would yeah. go there. So it was, like, a very weird, bizarre thing to be wrestling there. But um, uh, there was a referee. What is it? Redheaded referee from ECW. Redheaded? 
Yeah. I consider him to be redhead. Not keener. Yeah. I always, I thought he was a blonde, but all right. I don't know. Whatever. Um, let me. I'm gonna Google him. Just a Mike Keener. Mike Keener. Yeah. I I want to make sure. I'll see him today at MLW. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So oh yeah 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 because he's at he's at MLW. Um, yeah. But uh, I want to make sure inside baseball. Uh, that it's who I'm. I'm thinking the right guy, but anyway, um, I'm pretty sure I am. So he, you know, I had just trained at the Wild Smell Training Center, but I had this match, and it was horrible, 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 horrible. And he takes me outside afterwards, and he kind of, like, does this whole, like, like he's putting on a show. I don't know who he's putting it on for. Slowly takes out a cigarette, you know, kind of. Keener, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, like, he, he really is just like, like first, first he, you know, Taps the pack a little bit. Does the it was like this long show while I just stand there like he doesn't say anything. Waits until he lights say putting on this whole thing, and he like wanted me to like level with him that I'd never trained. And he's like, "Cause that match that was not someone who's ever trained in wrestling." <laughs> and my opponent had never trained. And he was supposed to just, the whole plan was they, they wanted me to bring somebody on that be my tag partner. So the whole thought was, well, he can get in there with these other guys and they can slam them and they can whatever the hell and it'll be fine. I'll take a couple bumps and I'll go in and work with them. And they'll call the match and I'll follow as I've been taught, you know, at Wild Simone Training Center and all that. And then when they became one-on-one, I'm like, dude, I don't know how to call a match. I don't know how to leave, like, and it was, I mean, it was bad. It was bad. I don't blame him one bit for looking at this going, this is not a trained wrestler. But I was very honest that this was my first match post-training. I was very, right. you know, and he was just like, so he's like, yeah, come on. You, you never trained. You never trained. And I was just like, I, I did. I was like, it was supposed to be. And I tried to explain to him, which I shouldn't have. I should have kept my mouth shut. <laughs> I'm trying to explain to him, like, I did train, but I'm not experienced enough to do this, that, or the other. And they cut the time, and he's like, who can, you know, what? Long story short, years later, I was able to work another show with him. And, and he, you know, when I was actually, um, you know, uh, experienced and, and it was all good. And I doubt he even, re- I doubt he remembers either of those experiences, the bad one or the good one. But, uh, but it always stood out to me from that show. Um, where his like long drawn out, you know, intimidation factor of just kind of, but I get it, <laughs> but I look at it now and I totally get it. You know, he's looking at it going like, you're coming in here and you're bullshitting everybody. And, but, uh, man, it was not so, yeah, so that is it. I mean, that's the long story of it. It, it was, that would really be my first pro match. If you're talking about my first match against somebody that was more experienced than me, that was an actual pro, it would have been wrestling against, uh, Scott Fowler, um, which I thought was a really good match. Uh, and at that time was the best match I'd ever had because I was wrestling somebody who had a lot more experience. Um, instead of wrestling someone with less experience, or what I spent a lot of time doing was wrestling, you know, it would almost be like student show type things, and I'd be wrestling people of equal experience, which is still yeah. not, I mean, you, you definitely gain something from it, but you're not having a good match. Um, right. But anyway. 
but that's that. Uh, but send him my best. I'll go, who? Um, <laughs> so what else do we have here? Um, okay. Uh, that's an interesting one. Uh, I feel like we've, we've heard from Saki the sock puppet before. What do most wrestlers <laughs> think of puppets like me and why? Um, here's a good one from Mark and Dryden. What do you two think is going on with the whole Charlotte situation? Uh, if there even is any. Judging from last night's SmackDown, they didn't address it. That was last... This was from six days ago, so... Um, I don't know. I think if Meltzer oh, tells you something's happening, then chances are she's probably just, you know, doing the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, she had a fallen out with Becky, I, from what I understand. Yeah, there was definitely uh, some heat there, right? Which is sad because, you know, they were the four horsewomen and they had this bond going. But uh, as Tracy's mother would say, you changed, man. You changed. What's your deal? <laughs> um, I, can only, I can only assume, you know, her father's no longer there. Her husband's killing it in AEW. Maybe it's just a matter of, you know, uh, make them fire me so I could go to AEW. Uh, Listen, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. And a year ago, I would have gone. Now nah, she's a lifer; she's not going anywhere. But now yeah. you look at it, and yeah, can they take the name Charlotte? No, but Ashley Flair, they can't take the name Flair, right? Um. So, you know, man, that would be something. That would be huge for AEW. Um, yeah. That would be huge. You know, and that's the beauty of, of AEW being in existence because it's back to the way it was in WCW. Like, the thought of Charlotte versus Britt Baker, Yeah, like, that's cool. That's exciting, the idea of that. Um, yeah. But again, I would say... Oh, <sighs> You have to capitalize if you're AEW. And if you ever got that opportunity, you're going to get a lot of eyeballs watching Charlotte versus a Britt Baker. But what makes them come back the next time? So, uh, And I, I kind of feel for the, the folks being released now because it's kind of like, you know, I kind of went through something similar. You know, ECW closed, WCW closed. And all of a sudden, the indies were inundated with all this talent. So everybody's yeah. fighting for spots on shows. Now, WWE didn't go out of business, but they just let out, let go a shitload of people. Yeah, not everyone should go to AEW. Now everybody could go to, where, and Ring of Honor just shut down. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, and well, uh, barring if they do come back, I, I want them to come back. Interesting that, thing about that, Ring that, of Honor. I've seen yeah. people asking the question of, you know, what, wondering if Ring of Honor can be successful because part of what made Ring of Honor Ring of Honor is kind of what AEW is doing. Right. So, you know, that forbidden door, Ring of Honor was, was knocking down that forbidden door a long time ago. Just, it wasn't as forbidden, you know? Yeah. Um, it's tough. It's tough. I don't know that anyone's going to, maybe one person will go to AEW. From this this batch, yeah, there's impact, but 
they can only take in so many f- folks. There's some back. There's MLW. Yeah, there's a yeah MLW, and uh, they they've released a few folks recently with uh, you know just with Mance Warner and uh, a couple others. He's been uh, wanting to be released for a long time. Unfortunately, now he's injured. But oh, you know him and Danhausen. Yeah, shout out to Danhausen. I love that guy. Right. Um, I've never met him, and he is just man top on my list of somebody I want to work with. Um, I got to meet him at the Ring of Honor show, the last show I did before the shutdown, and it was pretty cool. We just, you know, uh, you know, just had a conversation, and it was really good, really, really uh, smart. Blue Meanie and Danhausen characters are like <laughs> made made for each other to be to do something. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, but right now he is uh, very injured, very evil, and yes. uh, I believe he has a. Uh, I believe he they have already exceeded the number yes. that they put on there for his GoFundMe because um, it kind of sucks, man. He's so he's apparently from Canada, and yeah. his family's up there, and he can't go back. Well, he's from Michigan. His his wife is from Canada. Oh, so I think they're up in Canada. Is the thing they're up in Canada? Yeah. So. so. You know when yeah, I said he, when he, I saw his family's in Canada, I was like, "Oh, he must be Canadian because he's so fucking good." <laughs> My assumption was, "Well, that makes sense. He's obviously from Canada." Um, nah, he's from he's he's from Michigan, and uh, his wife is from Canada, so he spends time up there as well. So, um, here's a great question from Mark and Dryden. We'll do a couple more questions, and we'll and we'll uh, take it home here. Um, what themes as a kid did you two love? but were cheesy as hell in hindsight. Two I can name are Timey Kangaroo Down, Outback Jack, <laughs> and Don't Go Messin' with a Country Boy, Hillbilly Jim. What a great question. Uh, for me, it would be uh, Girls in Cars. Dude, such a good... I remember I had the tape, and I would listen. That was a good <laughs> song. Yeah, that, that easily could have been like a Rick Springfield song. Uh-huh. Girls uh, in Cars. And uh, oh, what was the other one? Uh, Jimmy Hart did for Jim Powers, and um, oh my God, what? Hmm. Uh, oh my God, um, Jim pa- Powers and Paul Roma. They, they, Jimmy Hart did a theme for him. It was uh, oh my God. Let me look it up. Hold on, give me a second. Give me a second. While you're looking that up, I'll, I'll tell you, please. The one that, the one that jumps. Uh, jumps to mind for me uh, is uh, Shawn Michaels' music. Yeah. As a kid, the the sexy boy. Like, dude, that was, that music, like, that is a song that I would put on, I feel like I would listen to that in the gym. <laughs> because it, it, it's all about the emotion, right? Like, that, Pump, that song pumps me up because I picture 1997 era Shawn Michaels badass coming to the ring yeah. and, you know, and just, you know, throwing up the double buys and the pyro going off. And I'm just like, man, it's badass. But you break that down. This is a, a gentleman just singing about how he is not your boy toy. There ain't <laughs> nothing badass about the lyrics of that song. But... Dude, I love it. And then Vince Vince did a cover of that. Did he really? On one of the albums. Yeah, it's like, 
Yeah, Vince did a version of it, oh, and it's like all all horns, like a horn section or something like that. Oh, jeez. Uh, uh, I'm going to need your help with this, identifying this. I'll, I'll play a little bit over okay. the, uh, the phone. What What's the... Can you skip ahead to where there's like uh It's coming up. Rock and roll station. I remember it. I gotta hear that. I, I think the title's coming up. Crank it up. Yes. Oh, dude. This is... It could have been Twisted Sister. <laughs> you know what I mean? Jimmy Hart's dude, underrated, pull- man. Yeah, dude. He was the goat of um, him and Jim Johnson, you know? Yeah. As far as writing things. Because he wrote the Sexy Boy theme for Shawn Michaels, mm-hmm. you know? You know? But yeah, he, I would have to say Sexy Boy and I'm trying to think one that ended up being, because there were some other ones. Like, I loved a lot of the musics, but they weren't uh, corny in right. hindsight. Some of them were just really good. Um, uh, oh, you know what? What I uh, Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> His the American dream, Ameri- he That's the common man. Yeah, I honestly uh, the cow that cowbell kicks in, man. Sorensen writes, "I'm currently on a Zoom with Uncle Eric. Do either of you have a question for him?" Man, <laughs> Sorensen is uh, is two timing us right now. The man is uh, on a Zoom call over at Ad Free Shows. Plug for Ad Free Shows. Um. With Eric Bischoff, um, ah, I totally agree with everything he said about the ratings because I've said that on here. Agree completely. So, uh, the Monday Night Wars were—I mean, the Wednesday Night Wars were not a war because in the Monday Night Wars they're right fighting over whole numbers and not decimal points. Yep. You know, I guess you could just Sorensen just tell him I said hello and that. Uh, um. I don't know what else. Tell, no, just tell him uh, anytime he's in Philly, I want to buy him a beer. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I want to take him to McCusker's and buy him a beer. Because um, somebody asked him on something. Uh, somebody asked him, uh, if you ever been to Philly, uh, what's your favorite spot? He's like, uh, the airport. And I was like, oh, come on, Eric. You have to you change know. that. You got to change that yeah. for sure. As, as a proud Philadelphian. Yep. I have to I have to show our um Oscars. My uh all right, my I guess the last one we'll do here um is as we're starting to e- ease towards the holiday season here. Uh, ringside <laughs> rant writes other than the turkey at Thanksgiving, what is the one thing that is a must every year at the mini Thanksgiving? Oh uh my Aunt Riri's string bean casserole. Mm. She she makes it. It's it's, it's perfect. Just uh, and she puts it like these uh, the the French fried onions or something mm-hmm. like that on there. It gives that a little bit of crunch. Yep. Yeah, that's that, a good one. Yeah, she makes a pretty good ambrosia salad too. I know he didn't uh, ask about mine. Um, thanks RJ. But, uh, I would, uh, to me, it's sweet potato casserole. So uh, a couple of years ago, so my mom makes one, my wife makes one. They're very different. 
and they both made them. And it was like both of them looking to me and like, which one's better? And I'm just like, yes. <laughs> like they're both they're different. They're both equally amazing. Um and it's where they like my so I mean like my wife and she definitely put some extra like cinnamon and sugar in there just to try and win and it was so damn good. But like it's uh yeah, but that's me sweet potato uh casserole. No such thing as a bad sweet potato casserole. Oh my god, sweet potato is my uh my kryptonite. Just Yes, all of it. I'll, I'll tell you all of it. Sorensen, ask Eric if Conrad <laughs> and Paul Bromwell were both unavailable, would he want me to host an episode of 83 Weeks with him? Because, um, man, Paul Bromwell's killing it over there. And, yeah, uh, it just looks like he's having so much fun. Um, Lo- another local guy. He got to go in and have because I'm jealous of Paul that he got to have that conversation with Eric. It, it popped into my head uh, because you were talking about how you agreed with everything that Eric was saying. Yeah, and what I noticed, and, was, and that's know, when, not a slight. That's not a slight on AEW. It's just no, not at all, not at all. But the thing is, but Paul got to be front row and ask questions and have that conversation with Eric Bischoff. You know, Conrad, I'm kind of like, all right, Conrad always gets to have these conversations. Uh, and don't get me wrong, Paul Bromwell, such a good dude, so good at what he does. Um, my my uh, jealousy of him is based purely on how damn good he is at what he does. This is not me going, get rid of Paul Bromwell or something. Dude's awesome. Um, yeah. I was just like, man, I want to jump in on this conversation. Like, I'm listening to it. I'm like, oh, I've got a question. <laughs> I've got a thought on this. Like, you know, Eric, what do you think yeah. of this? And like, yeah, so, man. Uh, but yeah, but that's it. That's it, Manny. Um, yeah, man. We got a couple more that's that a, I'm just going to a... save for time purposes. We'll hit those next week. Um, yes. But yeah, but anything else you'd like to uh, to add before we uh, before we rock and roll out of here? I thought this was a great conversation. Um, and then uh, I'm skedaddling over to MLW. No big deal. Thankfully, thankfully, 10 minutes from my house today. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm just grateful. Uh, yeah, with speaking of holidays coming up, thankful and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. I can't believe November's here already. Unbelievable. Uh, which is insane. Um, but, yeah, uh, thank you to each and every one of you who listens each and every week. Uh, thank you to all our proud pod squad members, whether you're downloading every Monday or you're joining us live here on the, uh, the Patreon feed, it means the world to us. It's the reason why I get out of bed <laughs> at, uh, you know, 10 AM on a, a Saturday when I could easily just, you know, you know, take a little, uh, lullaby there, you know, but no, I mean, this podcast means a lot to me. It means a lot to Josh and, yeah. uh, you know, here we are 89 weeks. 80, well, don't get ahead of yourself. 85. Oh, talk about it. I have no sense of time, Uh, (laughs) but legit. 85, uh, though, nothing to sneeze at. That's that's pretty damn impressive. So, yeah, that all means a lot. And, uh, you know, thank you to, you know, everybody who, you know, is supporting us through our sponsors, uh, through Manscaped, whether you buy a T-shirt, proslingtees.com, slash blue meanie, slash so says sure enough, slash 
Mind of the Meanie. Uh, you know, I just did a cameo before I, I logged on today. Thank you for going to cameo.com slash blue meanie BWO. It all helps. It all, it all helps us keep the lights on here. So uh, greatly appreciate it. I know I pretty much say the same thing each and every week, but I would feel guilty if I didn't say thank you. And, uh, you know, in just a couple of weeks, we'll be doing our Thanksgiving episode where you'll be able to be extra thankful on that one. Um, and uh, maybe we'll even bring Adam Bernard back for that. What do you think? Yeah. See if he's around. That could be a fun one. Um, get the whole gang together for Thanksgiving. Um, Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, yeah, man, no, just uh, uh, I second everything that you're saying. This has been such a great experience. One of the greatest experiences come of this is the action figures, and those are still available yeah. at mindofthemeanie.com. Go right now. We are, we just got two, like, really big orders came in. Nice. Um, by the way, I should mention, I think I mentioned last week about this scam it's all been handled. All money has been returned. Um, PayPal really hooked it up, uh, which the lesson in that is no matter what they ask for friends and family, if they're not friends and family, don't give them friends and family because otherwise PayPal can't do anything. But, uh, right. but yeah, but thankfully those scumbags are uh, out of their money. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, those action figures, there's some still available, but two big orders just came in, uh, legit orders. And we really appreciate that. <laughs> uh, but I will tell you as two of right legit. now, there are eight signed two packs left and there are not, I don't have the exact number, but in my possession, cause Meanie's got some for live events and stuff like that. Yeah. In my possession, they are not a lot of uh, mint on card left. We have some damaged packaging ones, which uh, have been selling out, so those are almost gone too. But there are not a lot of mint on card left. And we've talked about this in the past. There are eight signed left. Not a lot of mint on card. So, if the mint on card all disappear before we have an opportunity to sign more than those eight then that's it because nobody wants a signed damaged card like the whole point of the damage is go buy it save yourself two bucks and buy the damaged card if you're going to open it anyway you know um but if you're looking for that mint on card signed one man now's the time get it go get the mint on card signed and uh because honestly we're not signing anymore until we run out of the other ones so um Again on that, but uh, but we we are running out, and probably gonna do a little bit of a Black Friday, Cyber Monday sale. Could happen, they'll be gone. If we do that, they're gonna be gone. People are waiting for those sales, (laughs) so they're they're gonna be gone at that point. So, uh, but anyway, Meanie, thank you as always. I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, guide this tour through your mind. And uh, kill it at MLW tonight, man. Yeah, man. It's uh, a huge card. Uh, it'll, it'll probably be airing soon on the Vice Network. On the Vice Network. So, Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. And uh, thank all of you. And we will see you next Monday as we see you each and every Monday for another trip to the mine of the moon. Blue, 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 blue world order. 
summer concerts are back each weekend in June, and they're free with your park admission. Save with the new two-day ticket, only $34.99 per day at AdventurelandResort.com.